This is Soundtrack, a podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kaya Leakey. Hey everyone, this is Tim Wasaki. That's with me today. Uh, you, I've known since uh, I would say the fall of 2017. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I pretty much just knew of you. Right. I mean, I would see you occasionally in the hallway because uh, we worked together in the same middle school. But it wasn't until uh, this year, actually, uh, when I had a student that was in your classroom. Yep. So we were able to uh, then get to know each other really well. And it, it just, it blossomed. It blossomed, The, the friendship yes. just... Uh, the bromance. Yeah. Just <laughs> took a hole and has not relented, I guess I'd agree with say. that. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> assessment. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I, even in that time, I just, even though it's been short, there's... Uh, a lot of times where we've hung out with other friends, but also a lot of talk about music as well. So, but you you didn't um, you didn't grow up here in Hudsonville. This is where we're located today in Hudsonville, Michigan, uh, just outside of Grand Rapids. You grew up just outside of Detroit in Shelby Township. That's correct. Twenty six mile. Yeah. <laughs> it it always just uh, baffles me after. Uh, even after living in Detroit, where why do we have to keep going with the miles? Uh, <laughs> the miles. It's like after <laughs> after twenty, I feel like that's plenty. Yeah, it gets but, up to I know I can ride my bike to like thirty mile road, and it's just it seems excessive at that yeah. point. <laughs> I don't get it. But anyway, so you grew up there, and you had a huge influence from your parents uh, with your uh, the family experiences of country music. <laughs> Yes, correct. <laughs> Explain. All right. So today I listen to all kinds of music, but growing up, my parents loved country music. So I'm a, I was born in 1990, so I'm a 90s kid. So the mid to late 90s country, which now has its own XM station called Prime Country, is just uh, what I grew up with my dad. It's prime for you. It's prime for me. And like I didn't really know anything other than that music for the most part until I was maybe like middle school. But my dad and my mom, any car ride, were listening to country music. Um, the TV was always on Great American Country, which is just straight music videos for, for country music. So names like George Strait and Toby Keith and Dixie Chicks and then lesser known people like Clay Walker and John Michael Montgomery are just like the names that I grew up with. And we, we bonded with that over as a family. Um, there's all kinds of home videos of us like jamming to the song called The Shake by Neil McCoy. And we're, it was just a fun way for our family to kind of, it was our own thing. My dad is not from the Metro Detroit area, he's from Cleveland. So I don't know, I don't, I don't think there was a, a large population of people who were all in on that, that genre. But the Wysocki family, that's, that's how we rolled country music. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's interesting because Cleveland has more of a rock scene. Yep. Um, and, and, and definitely not country. Yes. So <laughs> why, do you know why your parents were into country? What, what I, started that? I, my dad, my dad has always been um, into the outdoors. He was a Boy Scout. And um, I, I know he, had, he listened to John Denver a lot growing up. 
uh, or in his younger younger adult days. And I think he just connected with the whole vibe of country music, of you know, just kind of the laid back, almost country style of living, which. Again, it's kind of funny growing up in Cleveland. Right. It's not like that's where he was from, but he just, he's always, he's big into NASCAR and to, to hunting and fishing. And it's just one of those things where it's, it just kind of connected with him. And then it, and then he started listening to it all the time. And my mom, I think my mom only started listening to it because, because my dad did. So when they met, that kind of brought them together a little bit. And then, uh, then it trickled down to the rest of us kids. So here we are. Yeah. So it's it's interesting how your dad has this like you said city life of cleveland and even being in the detroit suburbs yeah, yeah. uh to this kind of paradoxical uh maybe <laughs> um desire yeah well my dad worked and when he was 17 he moved to warren and he's cuz he's wor- he works at gm he's but still working at gm but he started when he was 17 years old Lived in Warren, lived in Detroit, and yet still had his country music roots, which I'm sure made him kind of the, the outlier in, yeah. his, in his community. But I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. It's a unique, unique thing. Yeah. It, even before finding out some of your back history, it, it surprised me that country was your kind of My main, choice. Yeah, your main influence as a kid. And granted, okay, yeah, it's your dad, but... But uh, it still just was not anything I've ever seen from you before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things where unless you're sitting in my car and you see my stash of 90s, early 2000s country CDs, um, you probably wouldn't know just because I know that I can't really relate with many people about, you know, like, hey, how about that Toby Keith song from 1999? Like, not many people are going to get fired up about it. So I think I just kind of keep it to myself a little bit. Um, and like I said... Um, to you earlier is that I, I don't listen to modern country music at all. Like I just, modern country music to me is like pickup trucks, girls, beer, and America. And it just doesn't really, I like the 90s country is more just like stories, you know. And so I think if I was, were still listening to country music today, like modern country music, people would know about that. But it's just, you know, there's not many radio stations that listen to the, or that play the, the country music that I like. So it just doesn't come out very often. Yeah. So one of uh, one of the key artists that kind of influences you during this time is Shania Twain, <laughs> which she influenced a ton of people with her music yeah. back in the late '90s. Uh, I mean that that album. I don't I don't remember the name. Uh, was huge. It yeah. sold like crazy. Yeah, Shania Twain is definitely you know the biggest probably name that stands out because she. She's a mega star. She starts in country. She eventually moves over to kind of more pop music. But just even as a kid, not being aware of too many things, knowing that she had a TV special on ABC one night and that her um, her concerts are, are selling out like the biggest arenas near where I was growing up. Like, you know that she's a big star. But yeah, her, <laughs> her music uh, was very influential, especially with my family. My dad and my dad, I think, had a, you know, She's an attractive female, so I think my dad was was drawn to that a little bit as well. But yeah, she's got a lot of big hits, and my family we had all her CDs, wow. our, all our albums. We were we were big time fans, that's for sure. Interesting. It's it's one of one of those things where I, I um, I'm curious if you did like you always record the the specials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We were um, 
we are big time on recording our favorite TV shows uh, with our VHS tapes and VCRs. But <laughs> if, if somebody can you, like... Can you explain what those are? What those are? Is, yeah, okay. So the younger audience, you know, before you had DVDs, you had these VHS tapes with actual film in them. I think it's film, right? I don't really know how you, or is it just tape? I don't, I don't know, know how you would that, describe it. Yeah, I don't know how to classify it. But, you know, today we have DVRs or you have digital ways to record stuff. But back in the day, if you wanted to record something, it, it took a lot of effort because you had to put in the actual video cassette and you had to program in exactly what time you wanted to start it and then end it and then just hope that it worked. And sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't, but... Sometimes you record over somebody else's... Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, you put in a home video there on accident, you know, somebody's, you know, graduation date, and next thing you know, it's it's a country concert (laughs) with special guest star, uh, you know, the Backstreet Boys, which (laughs) is one of the tapes that we have still at my house. Wait, they they were... uh, They were just starting out, so this had to be very late 90s, maybe even, I think it was before Backstreet Boys had Millennium out, so it was like at least, you know, 1998 at the latest, but Shania Twain had her big... TV special. She was the star, of course, but she had two special guest stars. One was Elton John, which at the time, as a nine-year-old, I had no idea who Elton John was. Not even with Princess Diana? Not even with anything like that. So Elton John comes out on the stage, and I remember specifically my brothers watching, like, man, this guy's kind of weird looking. He's got giant glasses, but he looks fun. (laughs) That's all I remember about him. But what I was really excited about is the Backstreet Boys came out with Shania Twain as her, like, surprise guest later on, and that's, I'm sure that's just when they were taken off and becoming yeah. and I was big into Backstreet Boys at that time so it was pretty pretty exciting for me uh do you want to share the what you were singing on uh, a speedboat in New York City <laughs> a few months ago all right well on a speedboat in New York City surrounded by a bunch of uh, excited 14 year olds on their east coast trip we had all kinds of songs I mean the but the song that that hit me the most was definitely larger than life by the Backstreet Boys that was <laughs> That was my jam back in the day. But it was an interesting ride because they started out with some classic rock. Yeah. We were both there. We had a little, what was it, uh, Def Leppard in the beginning. We had Queen, We Will Rock You. And then transitioning into Backstreet Boys was an interesting left turn that the, the uh, tour directors made. But it was, it was a blast. It was a great time. Yeah, it just uh, when you're going 50, 60 miles per hour on the Hudson. Yeah. You know, it's a good way to connect with kids. They they look at you, and even though, you know, we had fun working together in our classroom, we could be kind of loose, but when they see you, their teachers blasting, you know, or belting out Backstreet Boys songs and and 80s rock songs that they probably have never even heard, like, it's, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Way to bond with kids and show them you're you're a real human. And they're making fun of us, too. Oh, yeah, definitely, big time. That's all right. We're cool with that. Yeah. That's part of the job. (laughs) It's part of the job. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you kind of uh, mentioned already a story with your dad and I think the rest of your family with uh, Neil McCoy uh, called The yeah. Shake. Yes. Want to expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, so The Shake is one of Neil McCoy's biggest hits. and This is it, another country it, this artist. This is another country artist, yeah, big in the 90s. I, well, I don't, he's big in the country world. He's not a Shania Twain megastar. But he's, if, if you listen to country music at the time, you would know Neil McCoy. But his one song called The Shake just had a very, it, it's definitely written to be kind of a dance song. Um, so there's, I've got video still of my dad. And it's almost like a country version of Twist of The Twist by yeah. Chubby Checker. So we're basically, I, I just know 
Growing up, my dad would have fun with us by putting on that song, and we had these gigantic speakers in our living room, and he'd crank it all the way up, and we'd just be like shaking around the family room, and just, um, I don't know, it's one of those moments where even though I was only probably six, seven years old, I still have a very, very vivid memory of it, because it was just a, it was a song that connected us, and still today, 20 years later, if I hear it on the radio, my dad, especially if I'm with my dad, we'll crank it up and, and we'll sing along. And it's just it's one of those like family songs that we that we connect with that probably most families have never even heard of. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like if you were to have kids, you would try to emulate what your dad has done? Oh, for you? A- absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, I've always had a really close, close relationship with my dad and same with all my siblings. And music has definitely been a big part of that. Um, whether it's singing along in the car or dancing along in the family room. So absolutely, I admire my dad for the way he was able to you know, come home from work and, and just kind of let loose with us like that. And, and it, if, if I have kids in the future, I would absolutely want to do that kind of same thing. Nice. So another artist uh, of country is Clay Walker. <laughs> uh, you got to forgive me. I'm not a, as well-informed on country, but yep. talk about what he is like. In terms of so why, Clay, why Clay Walker, so Clay Walker again is one of those like Neil McCoy type guys where if you, if you're not listening to this genre of music too regularly, you've probably never heard the name. But Clay Walker is more of like a pop country singer, and he he has a lot of songs that are almost more humorous or just kind of funny. Uh, but he's a guy who his one album was called Rumor Has It, and that's the album that I know the best because when I was in preschool, my mom and I would drive, and it was about a 35-minute drive to preschool, and every single day we'd listen to that same CD. And there's, I think there's 12 tracks on it. And so I'm what? Preschool, you're four, four yeah. five. And, and still to this day, I have most of those songs completely memorized, um, and my mom does too. So we bonded over that. And, and now what, what's kind of cool is as an adult, I look back on it, and instead of listening to you know, kind of like kid music at the time, um, by listening to this Clay Walker guy. I still like the music, like just for itself, even taking away the nostalgia factor. Like I still think it's quality music. So I listen to it if, I, if I'm going for a run or if I'm just working on you know, schoolwork, grading papers or something in it. I like the music in itself, but it definitely brings back memories of, of those car rides with my mom as a kid. That's awesome. I, I've had similar instances, but music that I'm not as proud of <laughs> with my situation with my mom. Okay, my gotcha. But, uh, any other country music that has resonated with you? Maybe not just so much with your parents or mm-hmm. your family, but uh, just for you. Just for me as an individual? Um, there, You know, there's a couple songs out there that just... Uh, there's a, the one band uh, or duo, Brooks and Dunn, that just have a couple songs that they're more of a, a popular band or, or Garth Brooks. They just have songs that they don't necessarily have a, a major, major, you know, deep connection with me, but they're just songs that I've, I've liked a lot. Um, there's this one song by Brooks and Dunn called, called uh, Ain't Nothing About You, and it's just, it's a song that I know all the words to, and it does, again, it doesn't exactly... Uh, relate to a single person or anything. It's just a song that, like, man, when that song comes on, like, at a bar, I'm going to get up and I'm going to sing all the words to it and I'm going to dance. But there was a there was a period when I was living up north in Sheboygan, yeah. so very rural country-type area. So country music there was actually really big. Um, and even though I, I don't listen to most country music today, I had a pickup truck, um, so I felt, you know, like, 
I was really living the the northern lifestyle. So there is a there's a song by Tim McGraw came out uh, called Truck Yeah, which is <laughs> is just a ridiculous song. But I downloaded it and I would crank that in my truck. In the summer, I had a summer job working in Mackinac Island, and I would drive the 15 miles to Mackinac every day, and I would play that song every single day on the way there and on the way back, just because I was just like, you know what, I'm here, I'm in, truck, I'm yeah. in the moment, truck, yeah. So that's the song. Again, it's it's not really a deep connection; it's just more of a humorous thing. But um, yeah, I really like jam into that song. But R.I.P. Truck, I had to turn it in, and you know, oh well. Now I'm back to living the suburb suburban life, I guess. <laughs> Why do you think you still connect with country music today? That even just with outside of family influence. Family stuff. I, I think I, I mentioned earlier that it, I like the stories that are in country music songs, and they're, and they're not they're not just a generic same story that you'll hear in every song or from different artists. It's just there's the songs that stand out to me the most have very unique kind of storylines. Like there's a, a song that I really like. Um, about these two grandparents that met each other when they were 16 and they didn't actually get married until they were about 45 and just kind of the life they've had together. And it's just um, a good story and I like listening to it. Um, so I, and I think there's obviously there's other types of music that have that same, same type of feel to it. But um, there's a lot of like wholesome country songs that I really like that are, that are just good and I can play, I can play them in front of kids at school, I can play them um, in front of my parents, in front of anybody and not like worry about censoring anything like that. So it just, it comes down to, I like, I like the story of it. Does that have a lot to do with the fact that you're an ELA teacher? <laughs> Absolutely. I think so. Um, one, I can, you know, I play music in my classroom all the time, but two, we, we analyze songs for, we look for theme, we look for other literary elements. And I like playing songs that the kids know, like they get excited about that, but sometimes they get distracted by that. So then those are the times where I like to play songs that I know, like country songs from the 90s, that they have never heard of before. That way we can really dive in and just focus on, let's, let's you know, break down these lyrics and, and who knows, maybe I'll convert some of them to become fans. <laughs> <laughs> You uh, are one of the few people I've interviewed so far that like country music. <laughs> uh, several other people have probably hated with, it without me even prompting it. <laughs> uh, have voiced how much they dislike it. It's very why, polarizing. Why? Why are there such so many haters out there? I don't know. I, 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 I've been guilty of it. Yeah. Well, and I just think you know. Some, a lot of times, I think people look at country music and they just think it's kind of dorky or hillbilly-ish or something like Maybe that. And it's beneath just, them? Yeah, and it's, yeah, definitely beneath them. It's just, you know, okay, here's this southern guy and the southern twang, and it's just, I don't know, it seems like, okay, what am I, a farmer? I'm not going to listen to country music. But, uh, and there, there is, like I said, like, there's a lot of country music out there today that I don't really like that much. But I think if people actually gave it a real shot and said, you know what, if you just, if you're thinking about the voice, the way the, the artists sound, or even... The, the the lyrics if you really listen to it like there's some really good country songs out there but yeah it, it definitely has kind of that negative redneck connotation to some people that they just yes they feel like it's beneath them and don't want to be associated with it hmm. you mentioned already how you don't really care for modern country music mm -hmm. so would like little Nas X be 
<laughs> you know, I, lo- I actually love Old Town Road. <laughs> I'm still not sure if it's supposed to be a parody or supposed to be funny or if it's supposed to just be a serious song, but I think it's kind of catchy. And I think I like it because my... I never heard it until the girls' basketball team I was coaching this past year. They they played it all the time on the bus, and it was just so it's kind of like a team bonding thing for that. So maybe I, I'm a little biased in that matter. I don't know if you uh, recollect, but I think we played Old Town Road <laughs> on the bus. On the bus, yes. The, uh, that was just crazy <laughs> to me how huge that song is. With it is students right now. Yes. Um, I mean, I think it's been on, as of right now, on the Billboard Hot 100 number one. Yeah, I like think they just set 16 the... 16 or 17 It's a record, weeks. isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy. And they keep coming out with new remix versions of it to yeah. keep it fresh. Well, and it helps that it's, um, it's like two minutes long. Yeah, it's short. So it helps with streaming right. uh, by making it shorter. Yep. Um, but it was just... just boggled my mind that how... <laughs> Every single kid on that bus knew the song. They all knew it and they all loved it. And I think it's, you know, you're mixing country music with hip hop a little bit. So that kind of draws people in. And I don't know, it is catchy, but it's, it's all, it's, it's at its base. It's a country song, which is very interesting that, right. That our 12 through 15 year old kids just latch onto it. It's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So props to Lil Nas. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but yeah, modern country, I just, I think it's become very, it sounds very much like pop music. And again, the, the themes, it's always like, I'm taking this girl on this ride in my truck and we're drinking beer and it's like the red, white, and blue. And it's just, it seems very, almost kind of generic now. Um, whereas I feel like pure country music, again, comes back to just telling stories of real, real people. And it's kind of, I think it's kind of gotten away from that. It's kind of gotten more into the, just the party, like a, a farm party, trying to be kind of hip for the young people yeah. type, of, type of music, which I just don't really care for. It's like as it, so what you're saying is the, lyrically, it needs to be uh, something to where it's not rep- repetitive. Yes, right, exactly. And I think, it, you know, I would, I would use a Clay Walker or even a Shania Twain song in my class to be like, hey, look at these lyrics. Like, these are actually really well written. Um, Whereas today, if I pulled like a Luke Bryan song, not to say that they're all like this, but I feel like if I pulled the top 10 country songs right now, I wouldn't look at those lyrics and say like, wow, these are are really well written and original. I'd say, yeah, these all kind of look the same. They just are sung in a different tone. So it's, it's not as original. Besides country music, you've had other interests in other mm-hmm. genres or other artists. So, for example, 80s pop is a huge favorite oh, yeah. of yours. Yep. Uh, who, who are those artists and what makes them appealing? <laughs> okay, so this is kind of funny. So with, 80s, with the 80s pop music, I, I really enjoy it, but I, I can't. It's more of it's a lot of those one-hit wonder type bands, you know, <laughs> that where it's like, okay, um, I really like, okay, I like a lot of Duran Duran songs. Those are good. If I'm trying to think of actual bands. I like Journey. Journey's good. Um, but then there's a lot of those songs like, uh, I don't know the official title. It's 500, 500, 500 miles. miles. I think yeah, it's by. The Proclaimers. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't be able to tell you who sings it, so thank you for that. But, like, I love that song. Um, I love, you know, like, Take On Me by Ha Ha. And, and I don't know if, I couldn't name another song by them. Um, 
I don't think anybody could. I don't think anybody could either. Yeah, not so even but I think the 80s is definitely a unique era cuz there's so many <laughs> not even there's so many one-hit wonders out there that people know. Right. That you don't know the rest of those songs. Trying and to think where of, they don't even know the name of the band. Oh yeah, don't even know the name of the band. They, but everybody knows the song. Like uh, Red Red Wine. Like Yeah. Who might know that, but but who who sings it? UB40. UB40, which the only thing I know about them is they also do a rendition of um, can't help falling in love with yeah, you. That it's right, an Elvis yeah. song, but UB40. And now that you said it, I have it in my mind. But I would not have been able to name them myself. Right. But they do that too, which is always very weird when it comes on the radio. I like you know some Phil Collins stuff as well. Yeah. But Hall and Oates, right? Oh, Hall and Oates. You make my dreams come true. I just love that song. It's a bop. I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> that song comes on. It's fun to sing along to. Easy to dance to. Easy to understand what they're saying, and it's, I don't know, it's a happy song. It's a good one. So uh, not only 80s pop, but there's also a lot of oldies from the 50s and 60s. Maybe it's Dion and the Belmonts, uh, but also some classic rock uh, from Queen. Uh, you, You, what, Four Seasons, Elton John? Yeah, yeah. So... If, if you look at, like, my Pandora station, my most listened to station is probably actually, like, Motown, that 50s, 60s era. So Dion and the Belmonts with the Run Around Sue is probably my favorite song of all time. It's just, again, it's catchy. It's fun to sing to. Um, but Frankie Valley, Frankie Valley and, and the Four Seasons, they just have a lot of hits. And that era of music, again, I, j- I just think it's, you know, it's an innocent time. And I like thinking about, you know, being a history major and having that background. It's It's kind of cool to put yourself in that era of like sock hops and poodle skirts and, and greasers and all that stuff. And it's just, um, and again, I can play it in my classroom whenever. I don't have to worry about the lyrics uh, about it, you know, having swear words or anything like that. So yeah. that music is just, it's good. It's fun to dance to. Um, who else do we mention there? So Queen. Oh, John. Queen. Yeah, Queen. I mean, Queen's great. Um, I, I knew a little bit about Queen. I didn't never like, I never read a biography about Freddie Mercury or anything like that. But when the movie Bohemian Rhapsody came out, I went and saw that, and it's just cool to see. Uh, there's some songs I actually didn't even know were by Queen. So I, not that I'm a huge Queen fan, but um, another one bites the dust. I remember seeing the movie theater like, huh, didn't even know this was by Queen. But uh, I don't know. Now that I know a little bit more about them, it's it's cool. Yeah. Have you seen Rocket Man? I did, yes. Yeah, I, ha- yeah. I have yet to see it. but now, So Rocket Man is different than Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody is more just a straight biopic. You know, this happens and then this happens, whereas um, Rocket Man is really well done, but it's more of like a musical on screen where the songs don't appear in the movie in order as, as they can. It's not sequential. It's just, and it's, you know, you'll be watching a scene and the actors will be talking and the next thing you know, they're all dancing and they're singing together. So it's really, it's a different kind of vibe, which kind of threw me off. A little bit, but I really liked it. It was, it was really well done. It was good. Oh, that's interesting because it's the same director. So. That is very. I did not know that. Yeah. So he, I guess, he has two totally different. Which is props to him that he can, he can direct in many different ways. But yeah, it's very different than Bohemian Rhapsody. It's interesting. Uh, so, what, what makes the classic rock so appealing? Is it? <laughs> what makes it so appealing? Um, well, if I if I just stick with. You know, like if we use Bohemian Rhapsody as an example, again, like knowing the story behind those songs um, and the, how much meaning they had to you know, 
know, somebody like um, Somebody to Love by, you know, by Queen. It just has so much meaning to Freddie Mercury himself or even just the whole story behind actually Bohemian Rhapsody and, and how these guys were just experimenting with all these different sounds and it kind of came together in this giant song that everybody thought was too long for the radio. <laughs> but I don't know, overall, I like, you know, even as simple as I like the guitar styles from the 80s and then in the early 90s of just, it's just, I like to dance a lot. <laughs> so anything that can get me up and get me dancing, I'm all in. Nice. <laughs> uh, you had an, uh, an amazing experience with a Metallica concert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was, what so, was that about? So growing up as a country music fan and then a Backstreet Boy fan and then listening to, as I got into like eighth grade, that was 2003, 2004, that was when like Ludacris was big. And then, I, you know, I'm from Metro Detroit. So I was like, yeah, Eminem. But... As a senior in high school, my gym teacher, my strength training teacher, was really big into like metal music. So he, he played strictly mainly Metallica, um, Motorhead, and like those kind of those kind of bands. And at first, I actually hated it. I was like, "This music sucks. I can <laughs> like this is just so different and just so angry." Um, but then, as I listened to it more and more every day, I kind of got more into it. And then I was like, "Okay, like this this puts me in the right mindset to like lift some weights." Uh, and then I got to college, and one of my best friends who lived right across the hall from me, his name was Russ, and he's just like a diehard Metallica guy. So he and I bonded over that. And by that point, I, I had fully accepted Metallica, and I could appreciate their music and really um, enjoyed listening to them. And then actually Russ was given uh, as like a Christmas gift some tickets to a Metallica concert, Joe Lewis in Detroit. Wow. And he had an extra, and he invited me, and I was pumped. So he and I went together. It was actually on my birthday, which is kind of cool. <laughs> so we went at the Joe, and just from beginning to end, the entire crowd on their feet. Um, everybody knows every lyric, and it's just it was a wild atmosphere. And though it was loud, and the guys in the band, whether they're you know the drummers or the guitar players, like they... James Hetfield, uh, when the lead vocals, like they just know how to put on a show, even though they're 25, 30 years past their prime, they can still they can still rock, and it was amazing. It was probably the best concert I've ever been to. I haven't been to a ton of concerts, but that one was just an experience. And we actually had to drive from Detroit all the way back to Grand Rapids as soon as it was over because we both had an eight o'clock writing class the next day. And I remember <laughs> sitting in writing class. Yeah, I was sitting in the front row, and I couldn't hear us single thing my professor was saying because my ears were just ringing oh. um, so it was it was it was crazy and it was awesome i would go again Whew. yeah metallica they rock <laughs> what um or what are there like special effects or is there they had all kind, you know they had, everything. They, had, they had pyrotechnics they had smoke machine they had laser lights everywhere just for their last song they had giant like like essentially beach balls, but they were black with the Metallica script on it. And they're just like hundreds of those falling from the ceiling. It was just, it was a crazy atmosphere. Um, and it was a very interesting crowd because there's a lot of younger people, but there was a lot of people who were in their fifties who probably grew right. up in the eighties with Metallica and, and, but are still just as into them as they were before. So it was, it was a very interesting mix of people, but everybody was there to have a good time. So it connected in you know, a lot of different generations. Yeah. That's awesome. As a uh, so now we, we come to current day. What is there any m music that you tend to gravitate towards or enjoy currently? Um, yeah, I do listen to like top forty type songs quite a bit, but I I still stick to 
in the car, especially with XM radio, there's so many different options. I still will, will flip on the, the prime country station, but I also, I listen to like 60s on six, 50s on five, and to get that kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of times, you know, being a teacher and working with middle schoolers every day, I try to keep in touch with what music they like so that I can play it for them in the classroom. Um, but I'm, and I'm always just searching for what songs are out there that are either clean as themselves or, or there's an edited version that's still okay to play in class. Uh, you know, music is just a big thing, a, a part of what I do every day in, in school. And it just it's kind of the, sets the mood in the classroom and lets the kids feel relaxed. So I like to, I like to find music that works. So for example, you, you play, a, uh, I remember music before class starts. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, what's up with that? You know, it's just, you know, kids come in the classroom and I teach, I used, I'm a history major, but I actually, I teach only English now. And, and last year when you were with me, I taught current events. Um, so I think kids are used to coming into the classroom and it being really quiet and serious, which is fine, you know, which is good for, for most class periods. But I like to set the, I like to have a mood in my classroom of it being kind of loose and kind of a, a fun place where they, they can not just come there to learn, but also look forward to it. So I think when you're walking into a room and there's music blasting and kids are up and dancing or teachers are up and dancing, like I know they always are like, oh, Mr. Lichty's going to dance to this one big time. So it's just, it sets that tone that I like that, hey, it's a way to connect with the kids and a way to kind of let loose a little bit before you have to, you know, get down to business. But it's just, and selfishly, I'm, I'm, I'm working in a rather stressful environment at times. And, and those five minutes in between classes, I like to play songs that I like to kind of just as a little break for me. Um, and if the kids can see me having fun, they know that, hey, this is, a, this is a safe place where I don't have to be super serious all the time. I can kind of joke around. And, and then it, it's just fun where they'll, they'll be willing to do stuff. Like in English, we do a lot of acting. Um, and they'll be more likely to get up and act things out. But then even when it comes to sharing their writing, if they're comfortable dancing in front of the class and they've got that, like, hey, this is kind of a loose environment, then, then they're more likely to share, you know, give speeches and, and share their thoughts, whereas maybe in other classrooms where it's way more strict, they might be a little more timid about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh-oh. Why, why do we need to listen to music? <laughs> why do we? Why, why is it something um, that's important? You know, just on the surface level, it's you know it helps people relax. Uh, it's it can loosen you up and um, maybe take your mind off other things for a little bit. But I think there's there's so many songs out there that have powerful lyrics that maybe you know somebody might be going through something. Maybe you're dealing with some type of stress or a, a loss of some sort, or you're just you know maybe you feel like you just don't really connect with the situation you're in with the people you're around, and if you can find a song that like, hey, that sounds like me, or you know, that just has like, maybe even it just simply has a positive message to it. Uh, I think it, it helps people um, find meaning, but it can also bring people together. Like if, you know, if I'm trying to fit in with people and we listen to the same artist, well, hey, there we go, we've got a connection, we can talk about it, and then who knows, maybe we'll go, maybe we'll form a group of friends who go and sing karaoke together and then yes. and, and love to jam and rock out to all the same type of songs. Like it's just, it, it brings people together. Um, it's, it's a nice release and it can be, you know, almost therapeutic at times. Well, it was great to yeah. have that time to talk with you. <laughs> no, I'm honored that you wanted, because I, I know I'm like, well, I don't have like a super, super deep thing, but I do have like stories that come yeah. from it. So I appreciate the oh, opportunity. I mean, this is cool. 
shaking about as a kid is, yeah. is worth talking about. Yeah, right, right exactly. Because honestly, I don't get to talk about that kind of stuff very often. So yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Well, thanks for doing All this. All right, cool. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Time. Yep. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Leakty. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.